Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Wherever you are in the world today, I greet you in the name of Jesus Christ. You know, it's just so good to say that, that we can say we can greet each other in the name of Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, the uh, redemption by which uh, the Lord made all of this possible so that we as his born again believers can have fellowship with him. I start uh, this uh, conversation, our time together here with a quote from the Psalm. This is of course, Wow, What a Show. And I am Phyllis, the host of this evening's podcast, but we have uh, uh, someone who's gonna join us and uh, she will, co-host. Hi, Tony, Richie. So good to see you, Tony. So nice that you're here. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Um, so we will be uh, getting into God's word very soon. And hopefully our co-host, who is going to be co-host, of course, will be joining us <clears throat> quite soon. Um, in the meantime, I want to remind us all that Psalm 19 tells us that the heavens declare the glory of God, that the firmament shows forth his handiwork, that day unto day utters speech and night unto night shows knowledge, that there is no place where the voice of all of these things is not heard. God is everywhere. God is everywhere. And that's just a truth. I was fortunate enough to teach um, two classes in the Vacation Bible School with a group of primary children, little tiny ones, and I really do enjoy them very much. But the two uh, subjects that we talked about in my class were trust and prayer, trusting in the Lord, believing him, knowing that he is real, that he hears us when we pray and we can depend on him answering our prayers or responding to us. He will always answer. I never don't believe he doesn't answer. I just don't think that he always gives us what we ask for because we don't know what we should pray for as we ought. But he always responds and is aware of his children in every circumstance and in every situation. And at this time, I would love to say good evening to Anna Kane. Our co-host has arrived. How are you? Hello, Anna. She is there. I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing fine. Very good. Very good. Thank God you are here and that all is well. Tony is here. He's saying good evening to everyone. Uh, it's a pleasure and blessings to be here once again. And you know, it's such a blessing to have you, Tony. I am so glad, of course. We also have Ama Jane in the live studio. We thank you so much for joining us, Ama. God bless you for coming. And tonight, um, Anna is joining me. We will read from the final two chapters of the Gospel of John. We will be beginning in uh, chapter 20, and we will go through chapter 21. And um, we start with prayer. Freshman, would you like to, uh, Anna, would you like to pray us? Give us our beginning prayer. I can. All right. Good evening. Everybody. Okay. Uh, 
Thank you. Lord, I, I just thank you for today. Lord Jesus, it's been a good day. Um, you've been consistent. And that's an amazing thing that you should be so consistent. You're not moved, Lord Jesus, by all that we are moved by. You just run the world like you're going to run it. And I thank you, Lord Jesus, for that. If there's no other testimony, I'm reminded of the scriptures that call us to look at your world and to be reminded that you are creator, that we have God, that we that you are infinite. And God, I just I just thank you for days like that. And I, I pray tonight, Lord, that you would just forgive us. Um, as we speak about your word, Lord Jesus, um, as Steve Brown used to say, we want to see you and you only. Amen. Forgive us for our sins, Lord, they are many. And I just pray that you have mercy on us, God. I mean, you are gracious. I just ask you to just, again, be merciful and help us to hear what you have spoken through John. To bless Phyllis as she expounds on the word. And help us, Lord, just to take once again what you feed to us so that we may be nourished. And we would grow and we would see you when you return again because we have chosen to follow you. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. And as I said, I know he hears our cry, our prayers, because we are transformed. And the word says anything we pray according to his will, we have those petitions. And I know the Lord wants us to be blessed in his word, else he wouldn't have left it for us. He wants us to grow by it as well, to be washed, purified, transformed. And so we can certainly say, thank you, Lord, for that. And we will begin tonight. Now, Anna, yeah. there is some background, I think it's coming from your phone. And uh, so, you know, I will read, uh, I'll, I'll read, First, if you like, chapter 20, and then you read chapter 21, or the reverse, if you like. Um, okay, uh, I will read 21. I'll let you take Okie dokie. Okay, now, very good. Okie dokie. Thank you, Jesus, for the reading of your word. We're in John, the Gospel of John, chapter 20. The first day of the week cometh Mary Magdalene early, when it was yet dark, unto the sepulchre, and seeth the stone taken away from the sepulchre. Then she runs and comes to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved. Guys, I lost an earbud, I'm sorry. And I'm not sure it would turn off without it. Okay, and she comes to the other disciple whom Jesus loved and saith unto them, they have taken away the Lord out of the sepulcher and we know not where they have laid him. Peter therefore went forth and that other disciple and came to the sepulcher. So they ran both together and the other disciple did outrun Peter and came first to 
the sepulchre. And he, stooping down and looking in, saw the linen clothes lying, yet went he not in. Then cometh Simon Peter following him and went into the sepulchre and seeth the linen clothes lie and the napkin that was about his head, not lying with the linen clothes, but wrapped together in a place by itself. Then went in also that other disciple, which came first to the sepulchre, and he saw and believed, for as yet they knew not the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. Then the disciples went away again to their homes. But Mary stood without at the sepulchre weeping, and as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the sepulchre, and seeing two angels in white sitting, the one at the head and the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. And they said unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? She said to them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I know not where they have laid him. And when she had thus said, she turned herself back and saw Jesus standing, and knew not that it was Jesus. Jesus said unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? She, supposing him to be the gardener, said unto him, Sir, if thou have borne him hence, tell me where thou hast laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said unto her, Mary, she then turned and saw him and said unto him, Rabboni, which is to say, Master. Jesus said unto her, Touch me not, for I am not yet ascended to my father, but go to my brethren and say to them, I ascend unto my father and your father, and to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things unto her. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. And we had so said, he showed unto them his hands and his side. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you. As my Father hath sent me, even so I send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost, whosesoever sins you remit, they are remitted unto them, and whosoever sins you retain, they are retained. But Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord. But he said unto them, Except I shall see his hands, the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days again, his disciples were within, and Thomas with them. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace be unto you. Then said he to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger, and behold my hands, and reach hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side, and be not 
faithless, but believing. And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. And many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in the book. Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. But these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, and on this wise showed he himself. There were together Simon Peter and Thomas called Didymus and Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, and the sons of Zebedee, and two other of his disciples. Simon Peter saith unto them, I go a fishing. They say unto him, We also go with thee. They went forth and entered into a ship immediately, and that night they caught nothing. But when the morning was come, Jesus on the shore, Jesus stood on the shore, but his disciples knew not that it was Jesus. Then Jesus saith unto them, Children, have ye any meat? They answered him, No. And he said unto them, Cast the net on the right side of the ship, and ye shall find. They cast therefore, and now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. So they cast therefore, and now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of the fishes. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved saith unto Peter, It is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he curled his fisher's coat unto him, for he was naked, and did cast himself into the sea. And the other disciples came in a little ship, for they were not far from land, but as it were, two hundred cubits. They were dragging the net with fishes. As soon as they were come to land, they saw a fire of coals there, and fish laid thereon, and bread. Jesus saith unto them, Bring up the fish which ye have now caught. Simon Peter went up and drew the net to the land full of great fish, a hundred and fifty and three, and for all there were so many, yet not the net was broken. Jesus said unto them, Come and dine. And none of the disciples durst ask him, Who art thou, knowing that it was the Lord? Jesus then cometh and taketh bread and giveth them, and fish likewise. Now this is the third time that Jesus showed himself to his disciples after that he was risen from the dead. So when they had dined, Jesus saith to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my lambs. Then he saith unto him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonas, Lovest thou me? He said unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my sheep. He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, Lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus saith unto him, 
feed my sheep. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, when thou wast young, thou girdest thyself and walkest whither thou wouldest. But when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thy hands, and another shall gird thee and carry thee whither thou wouldest not. This he spake, signifying what death he would glorify God. And when he had also spoken this, he saith unto him, Follow me. Then Peter, turning about, seeth a disciple whom Jesus loved, following, which also leaned on his breast at supper, and said, Lord, which is he that betrayeth thee? Peter, seeth, seeing him, said to Jesus, Lord, and what shall this man do? And Jesus said unto him, If I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? Follow thou me. Then went this saying abroad among the brethren that the disciple should not die. Yet Jesus said not to him that he should not die. But if I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? This is the disciple which testifieth of these things and wrote these things. And we know that his testimony is true. And there is also many other, there are also many other things which Jesus did for which if they should be written, Every one, I suppose, that even the world itself could not contain the books that should be written. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Amen. I tell you, I um still am a bit amazed at how this book is written. And in all the years that I have read through the Bible and the Gospels, I never knew it was written so differently. It never occurred to me. But here we have <clears throat> a divine accounting of the life of Jesus Christ through the eyes of John, who refers to himself not even by name, and yet the evidence proves that it was probably he who wrote it. And um, that's amazing, right? The humility in the face of this wonderful Savior that he presents. Anna, I will give a few highlights in chapter 20. And if you will just pick up, you know, when uh, at, at a point, any, if you want to infuse anything, please, by all means, do. The thing that strikes me <clears throat> as we are finishing the, the word here is that um, in the first verses of this chapter, chapter 20, we are met with Mary Magdalene, Mary Magdalene. And she is a very committed disciple of Jesus Christ. It reminds me of the book of Genesis. And I really did need to pull that quote out. I'm going to see if I can lay my hands on it right away. When Jesus Christ um, comes to uh Adam and Eve, and tells them that they are going to be put out, you know, cursed for the evil that they did, for the disobedience that they committed. He says in Genesis chapter 3, verse, uh, let's see, let's start with verse 14. He says, And the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle and above all, every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. 
and I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, her seed, and thou shalt bruise his heel. And unto the woman he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. And then he spoke to Adam. Now, why does that remind me of that verse, Mary Magdalene coming to the grave first? It is because it is through the seed of the male, but carried by the woman, that Jesus Christ is born, just in the manner of every man. And in great sorrow, every woman knows this, some have more sorrow than others. My mother said if she hadn't, was going to be in all the pain that she finally felt when her last, uh, the second to the last child was born, she would have stopped a lot sooner. My mother had 13 children, right? She bore 13 children. Um, but in the, the last two were very challenging for her health. And she had pain, but she said she had never had that kind of pain before. But there is pain. There is a great deal of pain. And when the child is born, the mother brings it up. And then, you know, depending on how obedient or disobedient or how much trouble they are experiencing, mom is bearing those sorrows. And so I am, I am particularly focused on or aware of the fact that Mary comes and Mary is weeping because her Lord, she was very close to Jesus Christ. She really walked with him. She really loved him. She is the same one, I think, who washed his feet with her hair, anointed those feet. And I, I, probably not because it's Mary Magdalene and Mary, the other Mary is the, the sister of uh, Martha, Lazarus's sister. So I don't think Magdalene was, but Nonetheless, we have a picture of Mary Magdalene in the Gospels, and we know that she was very, very, very close to Jesus Christ. And here she is weeping because she doesn't see his body. And she doesn't know where it's gone. She doesn't know where they have moved him to. That's what she's thinking. And to whom does Jesus manifest his risen self first? To Mary she is there. The place that the woman holds in the kingdom of God and in redemption, not for mankind, is not for us to gloat over or say anything about, but that the Lord hath chosen his plan. And his plan was that this woman, who, by the way, carried the burden of the sin in the first place, pretty much, right? It was she who was beguiled, would also be the one to whom salvation is first awakened and she then carries this message to Peter and to the other disciples. So that was the first thing that struck me as I was reading this chapter. And I am not trying to impose any particular uh, or special um, 
what is the word, uh, value or beyond what we know. The, 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 the scripture doesn't tell us all the, uh, any, you know, a lot of that. But I just paid attention to that. that. This woman who was very faithful to Christ, who walked with him, was the first at the grave. And in her weeping for the loss and mourning, she reminds me of the burden that the Lord placed on Eve in pronouncing the punishment that these guys would pay for their disobedience in the garden. Think on it. If you come up with anything more than I have said, uh, share it with me, if you will. So we drop down to like verse 20, I think. I'm going to drop down to verse 20. And am I... I'm here in the darkness almost. I can hardly see. Um, but th they were very glad when he showed himself. And to, to the, so he, so Jesus Christ, he, you know, he goes to them. And um, when he showed himself to them, the disciples were so glad. And that struck me too, because here it is, they are, really in mourning, they are thinking that their beloved teacher, rabbi, leader, they had had such uh, profound moments together. They had watched Jesus Christ in ministry, healing the sick, raising the dead, casting out demons, teaching with authority, giving to them what they had never received. And they were aware of his divinity. And yet they also placed him as a mere man because when, of course, he was betrayed, Peter wanted to go to battle. They really thought, I believe, that he was going to establish an earthly kingdom, overthrow rulers right then and there. But in his death, he proved to them that's not what he came to do. And he began to teach them and tell them in those from chapter, what do we start? I guess chapter 14, 13, all the way through to the um, betrayal and the crucifixion. He is recounting, telling, showing them things and getting them prepared for the ministry and the operation that they shall continue. He started it. He showed great miracles. He trained them. Then he, he actually goes to finish his own work. His work was that cross and then the resurrection, conquering death and sin and all that would have kept us from God. He does. And then he's going to ascend. So these, when, he, when he showed himself to them, they are absolutely elated. They were glad. And that word glad, when Gabs and I did a podcast and we, we dealt with the word glad, it, 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 it's kind of held in, in the dawning of a thing. You know, all of a sudden things are just opened up and, and what you thought was maybe dismal is now bright and beautiful and joyous. They were glad. And Jesus Christ speaks to them 
and says, peace be unto you. And then he says, as my father hath sent me, even so I send you. Right there is a pronouncement. First, they are very glad. Then he blesses them. Be at peace, O glory. Peace, peace be with you. If you have not known the peace of God, then you don't know what he's saying here. But the peace of God cometh over us in times of great challenge. When we cry, when we really uh, just kind of move in and spend a moment with the Lord, there is a rush of peace such as you did not expect and you have never known. Peace be with you. Now they are glad and he's saying peace. They probably thought they were already in peace because up shows this wonderful, great, uh, divine teacher that they had known. And now they're even more uh, uh, elated with who he is. And he speaks peace to them. Peace. Be at peace. Because as the Father had sent me, as he sent me, I now send you. Isn't that something? I wonder if in that moment they really understood fully. Even so, send I you. I wonder if we even understand. Even so, send I you. But be at peace. Understand. Peace is yours. In the very response that you will receive from the world as you go, as I have gone, and tell and experience the rejection, the hatred, the denials, all that Jesus went through, the separation from those that you thought were friends, even so he sends us. Did they understand? Do we understand? Jesus now speaking to them again. And then he tells them to receive the Holy Ghost. Have you received? Have I received? The Holy Ghost, the Spirit of the living God, the Spirit of almighty, omniscient, omnipresent, omnipotent God, we receive. And when we receive that power, Jesus Christ says, whosoever sins, you remit. In other words, if you cancel them, I cancel them. But if you hold them accountable, so do I. I'm wondering about that. As I read it, I kept on saying, what an amazing impartation and do we live in it? Do I live in it? Do I fully understand it? Need I fast and pray for understanding for God to really break that open so that now I am truly more in the operation of who Jesus Christ is than I am in my own self. Oh, Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask that you make it real to us.
I ask also tonight that the Lord make us understand that this is Almighty God. Honestly, listen, all of a sudden I'm 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 reading through this and I just stood up and you know what came over me? Your presence amazes me. It's a song that was sung by Vicky Rohi. Oh God, just you, you know, you're just you, your presence surrounds me. If I could sing, I would try to sing it, but I would be in copyright infringement. So I can't I can't even tell you all the words. But this song is all about being in the presence of God. In the song she says, When I walked in this room, when I walked in this room, all of a sudden you're there, you're just near. I feel you, I know you are here. And that's what happened. After I read, I'm up, you know, and getting ready. And all of a sudden, the song just begins to resound in my head. Oh, you truly amaze me, Lord. In a moment, in an instant, we can be so with him. By the way, omnipresent is who he is. So he's always present. But are we always aware? of his presence. Because when you are aware of it, you have to respond. You must be lifted up. You have to know and feel the embrace. Here I can legitimately use the word feeling. Never mind whoever would say we don't have an emotional gospel. We really do have one. God gave us every emotion. And when he is near, you feel feel it. It is a presence that is tangible. It is real. Because you don't, you know, there's nothing you can do to make him show up. But there is something you can do to make yourself aware that he is there and near. That is what impresses me. And again, he remembered that Thomas was not in that room. He remembered, but he also heard. See, he's the all-present God everywhere and all the time. So when Thomas told the disciples, I won't believe unless I can put my hand in those holes in his wrist or hands, wherever they put that thing, I think it's in the wrist, and put my hand in his side, I'm not going to believe. And surely enough, Jesus heard it. God heard him and Jesus shows up again and he speaks again. Peace be unto you. I'm in verse 26, the end of it. After eight days, he comes back. You know, he's never in a hurry. He didn't just appear in that room and tell Thomas, Thomas, come on, here I am. Touch me. No, eight days passed. There's a significance in him coming on the eighth day. I don't, I can't explain it to you right now. But anyway, he comes back. And he says, peace again be unto you, peace. And then he said, Thomas, reach hither thy finger and behold my hands and reach hither thy hand and thrust it into my side and be not faithless, but believe. Don't be faithless without faith. Don't not have faith. Believe, Thomas. Because what you are witnessing is real. And Thomas immediately answered and said, Lord, my Lord, and my God. 
I don't think he ever even touched him at all. Just the fact that Jesus walked through that door, he says he came in, uh, with, the door was shut, and he just he just walked in the room. Guys, listen, how, how willing are you to know the divine risen Lord? How willing are we to have him enter a space? How willing are we to sit there and wait for him to speak with us, to touch us, to hold us, to embrace us, to be with him? How willing are you? Are you so much in a hurry that you never take the time to really know the greatness of God, the supernatural ability he has to fellowship with you. If you notice tonight, I'd like welcome to all of you. Thank you for coming to dine with us. When we are in God's word, we are being fed spiritual food. We are, we, when we are in his word, we are being nourished with physical nutrients. When we are in his word, we are in his presence, being washed, cleansed by that living word. When we are in his word, we are being transformed. We are being rebirthed and coming into the fullness of the stature of Jesus Christ, the only begotten son of God. There's a lot going on. How willing are you to gather? That has been proven you are here. But when there's no one else around, how willing? How much time do you give him to be and to do all that he wants you to know? Like he said to Thomas, don't be faithless, but Believing. Praise him. Amen. Amen. That is uh, a wonderful line to move into chapter 21. Because while he's responding to Thomas at the end of chapter 21, John is going to close his book with Jesus's encounter again with Peter. And so I'm going to say that the question, how willing are we to know the divine Lord? It resonates with Peter's experience, just as it probably does with Stevens and everybody, but the, the way that it's sort of set up these two chapters, and, and I agree with you, the way this book ends is different. And so you sort of forget that. We think of the Gospels, but John's really does do something different at the end, and a lot of things that you just said in 20 actually sort of or highlight it in their own way in 21, and a couple of things you, you mentioned happen to have, to have to do with the, the pain in birth. And here I'm going to be a little symbolic tonight and, and think of just the, the birthing of that declaration and that response to Christ that is happening for 
you know, um, Thomas in this moment and Peter in the next moment, moving away a little bit from Mary Magdalene, but the fact that she carried her sin of her past. And I feel like those people that Jesus showed him to were the everyday people, like you mentioned, but specifically, you know, the people who may not have been the chosen. Everyone talks about Peter and his personality. I always say to myself, how do they know? But we do get a little insight into, you know, Peter's willingness to fight for Jesus, Peter, Peter's outspokenness, um, Peter's willingness to follow Jesus, but then Peter also being trapped by his own fear. And the fact that you says Jesus shows himself to those um, people, he also shows himself to people like us, people who need a savior. Um, and the issue of be at peace. And when he tells them be at peace as the father send, sends me, so send I you. That's essentially what he's going to do when he is step before we go into acts, he's going to establish Peter. And so I want to basically just go through some notes that I've written out and sort of talk through them. So I'm going to go through them rather quickly. And then if anything, if you can see those connections while you were talking, Phyllis, I said, boy, this is a wonderful thing. I actually had never noticed how 21 in some ways mirrors 20 in the sense that I read it um, in these past days. So let's start. At the end of 20, John says, many other signs were done, but what is written, okay, is so that we might believe. He does that again at the end of 21. So this is John's rendering of the gospel. But the Lord is letting us know it's not exhaustive. God has given us what he has given us, and apparently, okay, evidently, Nothing else was needed for us to come to the saving knowledge of him. Maybe I say, when I see these words in 21, it sort of hit me like, is it the gluttonness of man that makes us, our curiosity, um, sort of always seek something more? I feel like it's actually, uh, the, and, I, and I know there's a reason while these words are here, just like with other words in the Bible, um, they're letting us know, hey, Jesus has done so much that, you know, if we had just written it all down, we don't have books that probably would have contained that. That's God telling us, listen, I've given you what I've given you enough for your salvation. I've given you just what you need to believe. And it reminds me of lots of things in the scripture and people that I talk to, they're always seeking something else. Well, if I just had more, if I just had more, I would get more, um, you know, proof. That's really not the case because I think the scripture lets us know that um, if they had seen more signs and more wonders, if they had had more miracles, Jesus said, you still wouldn't believe. Though people are always saying that if I had more, I would believe, but they wouldn't. So I feel like that's sort of a gluttony that we have, sort of that lust of the flesh or maybe a, a pride, a satisfaction that causes us to say, if there was only more proof, I would believe. So those scriptures sort of stood out for me here. And God has basically said in his statement through John, did I give you this? And I, I've done so much that, again, you wouldn't be able to contain it. And so uh, the Gospel of John then closes with a theme that you've been on as you've gone through John, and that's with fellowship. And so for me, this really opens up really nicely right here at the end of the gospel. Jesus is sitting there, um, and he is noticing what the disciples 
have done. And right back to the word that you said about uh, when you see Jesus, it is like a feeling. This is just sort of confirming that. They saw the man who told them to cast the net in chapter 21. But they dared not say, hey, is that Jesus? Remember, this is after the resurrection. I'm always amazed how they walk with Jesus. But after the resurrection, you know, it was like people didn't really recognize that that was Jesus. But they were like, but it is Jesus. You know, there's something about that I don't think we'll ever know, that mystery of not seeing but seeing. And so he um, closes with this fellowship um, and he's feeding them. But notice he already has the fish but he has them cast a net, et cetera. And they come over and he called them over and he has already prepared. The fire is going, he's ready to receive them. And then he commissions Peter, who I'm going to hone in on for just a moment here. He feeds them and he commissions Peter to feed his sheep. And he closed, John closes with sort of, for me, it was sort of an absolving of the three denials. This whole picture of Jesus coming to dine, he dines with them, but then after the dinner, somewhere in that fellowship, he you know, makes these comments to, to, to Peter. And we see it as, oh yeah, we know Peter denied Jesus three times. Notice how he's gonna have him say, I love you three times. And so basically I noted, it's an absolving if you want to be a little symbolic here, not that Christ wasn't already forgiving, but of those three denials by asking three times if Peter loved him and if so, then to feed his sheep, to do his work. So I saw this as an illustration of forgiveness again, the seven, 70 times seven type forgiveness that signifies that forgiving over and over as often as we need to forgiving much which is difficult when you've forgiven and forgiven it's kind of sometimes hard to keep forgiving illustrating that you know as much as Peter rejected Christ so did Christ then forgive him so I'm listening to the word and I'm hearing what Jesus is saying and I'm imagining a pause and then I'm hearing Jesus ask him again, Peter, do you love me? And Peter is answering, yes. He's like, feed my sheep or feed my lamb, feed my sheep. Then he asked him again. And now Peter is noticing the repetition. So Peter is answering in the affirmative to Jesus as many times as he had denied association with him. And this may surely be for his own benefit. But one thing that I just noted this time was that I see this as a type of hope um, that's unfettered for us. And so we've got Mary coming in and she had lived her life. Um, we've got lots of people who come in and they've lived a life and Jesus you know, sups with the people who need a savior not with the people who were the religious leaders or the leaders in the community. He's always with the person who recognizes they are the lowly. And so while this is, you know, again, there are a lot of thoughts you may have on what's happening in this scene. But one thing that stands out was, again, it's like having this unfettered hope that he would know Peter's denials continuing. And just like you said earlier, Phyllis, like he, you know, he heard him. This is another sort of illustration. He wasn't there when Peter denied him necessarily right up in front of Peter, but he knew what Peter was doing and he had already said that that would actually happen. 
So when we look at this now, um, again, you know, Jesus might be showing us yet another picture of his gospel, <clears throat> his love for us. We reject him often, but he calls us to receive him often. And he does it as often as we, in my opinion, reject him. Okay. Um, when we see how continually he pursues us, though, we then declare our love for him with a more surety. And then we're ready to do his will. So just sort of to capsulize that, this whole scene for me, one picture that just stands out again is an absolution, absolving the sin in a symbolic way. Peter, you rejected me. I knew that you would. And now you're going to confess me as often as you even would ever reject me. It's as if now those denials are going to be overshadowed by your own affirmations for me. I know you, Jesus. Not, I don't know the man. Not swearing and cursing, get away from me. I don't know the man. Now it's, I, Jesus, you know I love you. Yes. Why are you asking me this? So Peter was grieved probably because of one of two things. He remembered his rejection and it hurt to have, you know, have him now confess as much his embrace, you know, love for Christ as he did his denials or the repetition itself declaring his love seemed unnecessary. And he was now grieving that maybe he had to sort of prove his love by repeating it over and over, or it could have been both. But either way, I'm thinking that the experience itself, not so much how we want to give commentary on what Jesus was doing, but the experience himself, it illustrated sort of like that symbolic, again, absolution of rejection. I know you were going to do this, but now you proclaim me. And Jesus just receives him back. And so I, I couple this with, again, that theme of fellowship. He's showing us the shame that we feel when we turn away. But notice what happens. He first dines with them. He fellowships with Peter and the disciples. And then it was at the third appearing that he addresses Peter in this way. Not the first one we're told, not the second one. Jesus has been there some days now. And I feel like he does this to us often when we're out of the way. He still keeps us in the fold. He provides for you the next day. He lets us know that he wants fellowship with us again. And then as we begin to look at him again, and we're there, because Peter was going to be there even after that moment. He, can't, he was still one of them. <clears throat> he reminds us that our rejection does need some sort of, we need it, by the way. We need to not reject. So for me, again, that's like, and, 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 you know, and absolving, because basically what it's saying is that I'm, I'm, I'm rejecting my rejection. I'm set free from that guilt now. Um, and so, you know, we need forgiveness. And in Peter's case, and in like in our case, it's basically for the fear that basically captures us and drives us toward a wrong choice. Or when we're trying to do what Peter did, preserve ourselves selfishly. So again, that picture for me, and to sort of put them together, we've got Jesus coming and he's going to address Peter in a way that reminds Peter of what happened before. But first, 
he's going to basically illustrate that I've come for you and I'm fellowshipping with you. You are still a part of me and I have a work for you. Mm -hmm. So even in the midst of what we do and don't do, the Lord is going to give us an opportunity to sort of make a confession that we can stand with and live, that we even believe and that we, we will sort of declare but he does, you know, he allows us then to see, and like he allowed Peter, I believe he really did it that way to let Peter have that moment of, I don't reject you. Peter needed mm. it. Jesus didn't need it, but Peter needed it because Jesus had already been back in fellowship with Peter. But again, it's sort of an open, symbolic sort of absolution of that rejection. And He's going to them on the third occasion. He, he didn't come back to Peter with haste to point out the three denials, to point out your sin, just like with Mary Magdalene. He says, nobody accuses you, neither do I. He didn't even have, he, he didn't need to. She already knew. <laughs> and that's why I say to myself, you know, I actually think he pursues us as much as people reject him because notice how we reject him in our minds. We reject him in our minds most often. People who you talk to and they say things about Jesus, they start mocking him. They're doing that. And when they go away, don't think the brain has not stopped working. Okay. It is still working the same way you and I remembered lots of things we were told, things we said, the impression that was made, a thought that passes by, a memory of a story. And it happens in the car, on the way to the car, in the house, and all you can fake it on the outside. But I know God knows we can on the inside. So as many times I feel like that 70 times 7 forgiveness, as many times I feel like so many people reject him, I think by the Holy Spirit, even though they may not have embraced it, he comes and reminds them, I'm here. You have an opportunity in every breath you have to say yes to me. But we suppress it so often, we ignore it and we get so used to it. But here, Peter is going to confess it out loud. So to close out, he knew Peter had suffered. He grieved when that cock crew crowed and Christ's words were fulfilled. But Jesus used this moment after dinner, after fellowship, just letting you know, I am still here for his purpose. So he has the fish. He basically has the harvest already, but he's going to commission Peter to go and show them that with my leading, you too can gather fish. Jesus had already started dinner, yet he told them where to cast their net. It was just going to show us what he's making us, and we're going to be fishers of men, and they, we would gather many. Peter would gather many. So he prophesies Peter's death, tells him he would follow, you know, just to follow me, simply put, and John closes the book, <laughs> and we just move on to the recording mm -hmm. of the Acts of the Disciples, meaning after this, this is what you go do. But notice Peter's calling and his restoration is basically sort of for me capsulized right after this. In word or deed, I feel like you can identify with him because it happens regularly. It happens accidentally, if, if you will, when you sort of just go into a place you didn't plan on going to. We need to, like in this scene with Jesus and Peter, confess. And something in confession, by the way, really solidifies you. You begin to hear what you say. So when Jesus says, you know, Peter, you know, we've had a good night. Do you love me? And Peter says, absolutely, <laughs> you know. And they're moving along, and he starts that repetition. 
even though, yes, we know that that sort of mirrors what happened before, I do believe that it helps, and it helped Peter that day to say it out of his mouth with as much fervor and conviction as he had had you know, the rejection. So again, for me, this is a picture. So I know 21 has to do with a little bit more than that, but the highlight for me this time was just seeing with Peter. And the other highlight had to do with, listen, God has given us what we need, whether you think you have enough or not. <laughs> He did so much, and just think of what, just think of our guilt had he given you any more, and you still say no. So honestly, you know, it, it's just take what he has given you, whether you understand it or don't understand it, and know that, like you said earlier, it is his will for us to know the word because he left it for us. And if we can just, you know, settle in that, we can actually then move into places like this and allow the Lord to speak to you. So that's the way he spoke with me, uh, to me tonight, this time. And I can't honestly say it, that's exactly how he, what he, you know, stood out for me the last time I read through John, because Mm -hmm. I was also reading through John and sort of compelled to stay in here. But today I saw that mirroring, that calling, go in peace. So the Lord sends me, I'm sending you. Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. You know, go. <laughs> you know, and mm-hmm. I have taken care of you all. I have brought you to this place. I have forgiven you. I have called you. Despite yourselves, you are quick to go. And then John wraps it up. And you're right, John does not identify himself. But I love the way he sort of indirectly keeps identifying himself. <laughs> the mm-hmm. one Jesus loved. And, and that's, that's right. how we close out in John. 21. Um, actually, it says, uh, I'll close on Christ's words, if I will that, you know, he shall tarry till I come. What I, you know, what is it to you? What I love about that is Jesus saying, listen, regardless of what I do, okay, whether he stays here, whatever I do with man, when I tell you what to do, just do that. It's not so much whether or not somebody's going to be here when I return or not here. And as a matter of fact, Lord, I think that might be a reminder that we get caught into the details, uh, the dispensations and all the things that we do. I think they have a value. (laughs) But sometimes you just want to leave it and say, whatever the Lord does, what do you call me to do right now? What do I know to do? Not so much what I'm thinking could happen with John or could happen with him or could happen in the resurrection, you know, after the, the second coming. What about the simple thing? And you're right, Phyllis. Are we understanding? Or is it big enough? Not that I don't think we understand. Is it big enough in our lives that we live whew, in light of the awesomeness of the, the calling? and, and the, 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 the sending and, and what I'm ashamed I feel fear a godly fear to stand before him to see all I don't have and, and do so praise God for John's gospel what are you thinking about 21 I'm thinking that you have really touched on something very very significant that I am leaving off with the eighth day and that it is a beautiful thing that the Lord does give us individually what we need to strengthen us so that we can move forward in his plan, as he did just then uh, at that time for for Peter. Yeah, 
And I got to say, I didn't consider it quite that way, but I love the, the consideration that God has um, opened up to you with regards to that. And he does establish Peter. And, and we do move immediately from John's gospel into now the work of those disciples. We go right into the book of Acts. And it isn't that the Bible, um, you know, is set up to in, in its in its order to reveal such a thing. It is that the Lord has left such a gospel that allows us to see it. Thank you so much for that. Also, the highlight that you, you give to or the insight that you give to what Jesus said, uh, what is it to you if I have him tarry till I come? I love that, Anna. Thank you so much for highlighting it, just bringing it out because so often we, I think, as a people in a world where emulations happen over and over again and you, we are so concerned with someone else, right? It is important that we focus on what God has given us to do and we focus on getting it done, right? Not that you don't um, draw in and, you know, but peripherally you'd see and support and help others. (laughs) But yeah, are are you so concerned over there that you're not getting it done where you sit, where you are? That's lovely. I... I really like that. And one quick thing there, if I make it personal, which again, I I said when I was reading this time and I was praying, and it's not necessarily that this is kind of what comes to mind all the time, but with this one, I I want us to maybe make it personal because notice Peter's inquiring about this guy's what's what's going to go on with him, Lord, and and that's fine, like Mm -hmm. you said, but. Sometimes, you know, there's so much in the detail of our lives. You know, what am I going to do? I'll tell you a quick example now. Yesterday, there was a woman. She's out in the street. I have a hard time with people on the street. I do. And I have a hard time with knowing what they're going to do with the money they're going to give them. But something about her was a little different. And I told Safi, I just came out of that store. I'm not leaving with these groceries and she's sitting right there. So I give her something, turns out she's in the hospital. We called the ambulance and all that. We, we did something, mm. but it's not us. It's really not us because the, mm-hmm. the struggle I was having in there was really just the Lord, right? Dealing with me. And then he knew her story. So I say in the details, when we get too caught up in, so what's her deal going to be? What's mm-hmm. her calling going to be? And kind of looking and paying attention. I just want us to know in little details, it can happen in a matter of five minutes. That's my detail. That's that's my calling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's my calling in that moment. Mm-hmm. And I think we have so many of our little details looking at, you know, maybe another experience. And it's not that, you know, all curiosity is, is bad. That's not it. But I, I just say, and, and notice here, the saying got wrong <laughs> anyway. Then you start talking about things and maybe don't, you know, relay the information quite right. But what's mm-hmm. the what's the benefit? As a matter of fact, John doesn't even address it anymore. I kind of really wonder what 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 was that all about? What is that teaching us? So I just like to always remember that a lot of this yeah. though there's a bigger picture and a message for us together collectively. 
there's always a message for me individually, like in the details, and as you know, wonky or out of the way as it may sound when you sort of look at things and take the symbolism in your way, I'm not leaving the truth. I'm just saying, how do I apply that in my individual experience and in the same with Peter? How does that resonate with me, God, his denials? How do I take that and then see where my denials are and where my confessions are? That's all I'm doing with that. Indeed. And, um, you know, the reading of John has been tremendous for me. Uh, great insights have, have uh, highlighted themselves, just like shown up. And remember, guys, I listened as the Lord led me to do instead of reading. Now, sometimes I long to actually read Right. <laughs> and today I, I did and I, I took some notes and often during this process I have, but it's not um, before I had listened several times to the uh, audio of these chapters. And there is, uh, uh, for me, a great blessing in having done that this time. And I thank the Lord because he knows what I am after. He knows what I am looking for. And I believe that he has uh, overturned some big rocks for me as we've read. And for all of you who have participated in the reading, let me tell you how very grateful I am. As you speak, the Lord is teaching me. He is really awakening me to truths that have been uh within within the the word right but he exposes that truth sometimes when someone else is delivering it never mind how many times you have read it never mind how much we think we know and you know we know a great deal we read the word of god and he has revealed much to us but there are times like you said anna there are details and in the details, only the Holy Spirit can unveil them. And sometimes they come by way of another voice. And with, you know, I think the Lord deals with us according to what he has put in us. Like, that's why I like to pray with several people from time to time, because I will pray in one vein. I'm hearing from the Lord. Yeah. And then someone else comes and they pray stuff that never even occurred to me to pray. Right. Uh, and it isn't that the Holy Spirit can't tell me to do that. But the Lord moves in his people according to his gifting in the person, his expectations from the person and what those people are willing to hear. We're just not as perfect as we'd like to be. <laughs> and God knows that. And therefore, we have a lot of help. And the help is in the church. The help is in the fellowship of believers. The help is in our gathering and our talking together. That help is magnanimous and you cannot get it if you don't draw near to your fellow believers. The, uh, Pastor John Thomas is on the line tonight. And I just want to say he's doing something very, very unique. I've never seen it done in another church. Pastor Thomas preaches, and then he lets the congregation talk back to him about what they heard, or about anything they want to say. They can ask a question. They are in fellowship. 
he also allows them to teach if they want to. You know, it is the practice of our faith that brings us in. So when he said to Peter, lovest thou me? Oh, Anna, you just really lifted that out. Beautiful. He is you, you are exonerating what you did that wasn't good. But at the same time, you are being birthed into what you will do. Hallelujah. God is good. And you're being forgiven. Forgiven. God is washing it all away. He's making us absolutely the new creatures that he's called us to be. I really, really thank you for joining in. And remember, thank you for dining with us. I can only think of these moments together as sitting at a great meal where there is such wonderful fellowship, where the food has been meticulously prepared. You know, my, my friend, uh, he was my professor at college, Frenchman, and then he became my children's godfather. He would invite me to dinner. He spent the whole evening, he would plan these meals, right? And when you get there, you would dine all evening into the early morning. We'd start about six o'clock almost and go home at two in the morning. Why? Because the fellowship, the fun, the sharing, the talking, and it wasn't just about the food. It was about getting up and kind of rejoicing together, you know, and then talking philosophy. And he shows you his, uh, you know, art collection. And we look at some uh, books and some old, uh, a bunch of articles that he's put together as he traveled the world. He traveled, I didn't. This is what God does with us. It's so wonderful. It is so wonderful and it is irreplaceable. You're talking about purposeful life. When you get together and you sit around and you talk about the work of the kingdom, those things that the Lord has called you to put your hands to, what you have seen God do, how you have experienced his presence, all of that are the delectables on the table. And we sit and we dine together and we enjoy each other as we are visited by our Father who then allows us to enjoy Him. Oh, darlings, it is to me a most beautiful thing, this church that God established. And that's what I think happened on the eighth day. I won't get into it tonight because I really want to uh, to deal with it even deeper. So the next time we come, I'll have more to say. But I believe that Jesus Christ first trained them, then anointed them, then birthed them into that thing that we call church. He walked with them. He talked with them so that they would know that he was always going to be with them. Even until the ends of the earth, he said. And here we have it. Anna, you again have done um, a great service. And I'm so grateful. And all of you in the uh, live audience here, Tony and Reams and Light Touch and Teeny and uh, Pastor Thomas and um, we have um, 
a couple of Kenneth Small, and we then we have a uh, I think it's Pastor Dr. Dave, you know, and we have Tony Ritchie so faithfully. We have Sharice, and we have um, you know just a, a family here. We have a group of people. And I pray that it extends, not because, you know, I need a big audience, but because the word of God is so rich and so real. And when we are together, we're experiencing something that only the word can cause us to know. May the Lord our God be praised. You know, you're very free to invite anyone and you can say whatever you want. You can write your comments and we are so pleased to have them and I would read them back for sure. You are a part of, wow, what a show. You are a part of the work that the Lord is doing here. Oh, I'm a Jane, I missed your name. Thank you for being here and fresh. And of course, um, uh, Ms. Anna Kane is our, our co-host tonight and has opened God's word to us in the 21st chapter of the Gospel of John. It has been a wonderful read. I am so grateful to every one of you. And as I said, you know, when we sit to a table, that this is, is this rich and this wonderful and the, and the uh, fellowship is so good, what do we do? We go home rejoicing. We rejoice together. And I read comments back. There are a few, just a few tonight. And I'm just going to pick up with one that comes from Light Touch. She says, a very rich and eye-opening reading of John. Deeper insights and greater understanding. Praise God. Blessings of our Lord be with all of you and with you also. Faithful as you are. Reems right. Yes, a great spiritual feast. And earlier, Sharice wrote um, a powerful word. You know, and that's just the bottom line. That's the underscoring God's word is power filled and everything that we need, he has provided for us. I thank you all for being, thank you so much, Anna Kane. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for allowing the Lord to speak and give us something maybe a little fresh, you know, maybe some people had thought of it that way. Others of us have not, but in the sharing, we go home the better for it. We are now better nourished. We are filled to overflowing. May he always dwell with us. And he speaks peace to each of us. My peace I leave you. My peace I give you. Not as the world giveth. Give it I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in me. Believe also in God. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you. That where I am, you may be also. These are the comforting words of Jesus Christ for us. As we journey on to the place that he has already prepared. He's coming again that he is and we will be the recipients of an eternity that is forever in his presence i glorify him and i thank him father you're so good we thank you so much bless now on a king god just pour into her abundantly pour into everyone in this studio audience lord 
pour blessings over our lives, protect and keep our children, deliver, Lord God, from challenges or depressions and, you know, those things which grip our minds and our hearts, release worry from us, make us, Lord God, those people who are free and who fellowship with you in such a tangible way as to actually feel and know your presence. You are good every day, all day, and we are so grateful. We shall never forget that every new day is filled with your new mercies, that you are faithful. The word says your faithfulness is great, and we want to always be aware of it. Lord, I pray for those who are sick among us, in particular my friend who is really suffering, a sudden onset, Lord God, of illness, and there we are caught. Oh God, be merciful. Relieve him from so much pain. Oh Lord, we thank you that you are present in that space where he is and you will speak to those doctors in ways Lord that they would not ever know but because they know him to be one who calls on you and his wife Lord they will have to give you credit for all the greatness that you will perform in his health uh, uh, plans I praise you Lord God for immediate uh, and, and, and inst not instant but full recovery for not only him, but my girlfriend's um, brother and her husband. And, you know, the list goes on. You know, Father, there's so much that we could pray for. We could be on our knees 24-7. But you know all about it all, and we give it all to you. For every concern of those who are here in this audience, I ask you to also give them the courage and the belief to trust you with them. Oh, God, we thank you in the blessed and holy name of Jesus Christ. Well, with that, my darlings, I'm going to say one more week and we're going to kind of do a wrap up if I can get it done. But if not, we're going to move on to yet another series. And I want you to know that it's coming up. We're going to do a series on parenting. And all of us on here who have children know how it, it, wonderful it would have been to have a series <laughs> before we started bringing up baby. But I think now that we are, <laughs> you know, we are a little more enlightened and God uh, has called many, many people to help that we can now help others, young parents, you know, we can, we can uh, help them to understand a little bit better how to um, uh, raise their children and provide uh, some support for that. It's a big, big job. If you've done it, you know how big it is. And you know, sometimes you look back and think, oh my goodness, what did I not do? You know, but God is able to keep all of us, even when we don't know what we're doing. So Anna, have you any last words? Just really thankful, and I, I think it's I all I would just encourage everybody to do what I like to do, and that is to read through slowly. I listened through the Alexander Scorby reading it. It's a blessing to read, listen to the scripture all the way through instead of breaking it up. But then it's good to go back and, and slow down, and again just uh, allow the Lord to show you how does that you know how do I what is your truth, and then how can I apply according to your truth. So blessings blessings thank you again thank you again and to all of you 
May the Lord our God watch between me and thee while we're absent one from another and bring us again safely to the gathering place. May he watch over you and keep you in all your ways and provide for every need, no matter what it is. He is able. Hallelujah. And with that, we go rejoicing in the wonder of who our Father is and what He has given us. <laughs> God bless you. Have a wonderful evening and a great rest of this week. We'll see you next time. Thank you all for coming. Eight o'clock Wednesday nights until we rest up, then we'll go into more nights. But right now, once a week, eight o'clock. God bless now.